0: We, this year, are looking at the theme, Hand in Hand with the Healer, A Year with the Great Physician. And by design, the the elders chose a theme that would be encouraging, that would be helpful, a theme that would be like an anchor of hope to hold us steadfast in in turbulent times. And to be honest, we need healing. We need reminding that there's healing, a promise of healing found in the Savior and so we've looked this year thus far, up to this point, about, about the promise of Christ's healing. We've looked at how God offers healing of our flesh. We looked last month, Ricky took us through the healing of the heart and how God can heal our hearts. And today I want to continue on. I want to continue on with our theme and look at how there is healing for those who face the challenge of depression. You know, the word depression is a really loaded term. You you hear a lot about it today. You hear a lot about it in the news, especially associated with celebrities. And most times when you hear about depression, it's often tagged with the extreme situations, with those who just couldn't overcome their battle and they gave in and, and lost their life. But what I've read and understood, even though it's such a complex subject, is that the reality is every person will face some kind of level of depression from their journey from earth to home. And that maybe is a good place to begin, is realizing that the word depression encompasses a broad range and spectrum of, of symptoms and feelings and emotions. And I want you to understand that today. I, I am not here to diagnose. Uh, I am not a, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a clinician. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm here to offer hope from the Word of God. And the last thing I want to do is for anyone here today who is suffer, suffering and facing the pain of depression to paint in such a broad way that you feel insulted or that your voice has not been heard, and that's not the case. I want to offer broad hope for a broad-range spectrum to those who undergo and face this challenging and debilitating suffering. For some, depression is just feeling down, feeling blue, feeling in the dumps. And then for others, It's a mental and chemical and an emotional pain so deep and so severe that they just feel like they can't get out. For some, when they go through the feelings and expressions of depression, you hear words like this I feel anxious, burdened. There's a heavy weight that I feel like I just can't get out from. I feel like I'm swallowed in a pit of suffering. I feel abandoned. I feel helpless. I feel hopeless. I don't have any desire. I feel like all my energy is drained, and I just don't feel motivated to do anything, to change, to help, to to serve, to get up, and, and to work. I just feel like my life is drained away from me, and I feel like I've fallen into a vacuum that I cannot possibly climb out of. Now, the fact that so many of us wrestle with forms of depression ought to show us then that it, it ought not be a surprise that the Bible shows people who have undergone uh, situations, feelings, and emotions that seem very similar to depression. And so it was Moses who said, take my life, right? If this is how you're going to treat me, Lord. Take, uh, Please go ahead and kill me, for I have, if I have found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. He's saying to the Lord, "If this is it, and how you're going to treat me, take my life. And Elijah said the same thing. It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And Jonah said the same thing. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. The immense anguish to where they said, it's better to die than to live. It was Naomi who, after the grief of losing her husband and her sons, changed her name. She said, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. It was David, David, who said in Psalm 13 and verse 1, very similar to many of the Psalms where he would echo his feelings. He would say, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet, and he wrote a book called Lamentations. And then all we have to say is, and then there was a man named Job. The, The Bible is familiar with people who knew this pain, who experienced this suffering, So our question today maybe just a, a landing place for our study. It's a complex study. It's a big study. Where's this come from? What might be a source of depression? And the reality is it really could be anything. It could be suffering. It could be people. It could be events. It could be trauma in the past. It could be something in the flesh or something in the mind. I want to go one place today, one place to maybe paint a broad perspective of this subject. Luke 2 and verse 52. And this is going to serve as our landing point today, our launching point, if you will, for where we're going to be going with our study. Luke 2.52, Jesus gives four components of man, four components of what makes us us. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus, growing up, God describes in the Scripture the components, the four components of every person, that we are made mentally with the capability of thinking and reasoning and understanding. There is a mental component to every single one of us. Described in this verse is the physical component, that we are made in bodies, bodies that can feel and react, that can be strong at moments and weak in others. There is the spiritual component of our relationship with God, our ability to know of God and to know God and to have a relationship with him and to draw close to him. And then there is a social component where we have relationships with one another. In fact, we need one another. Marriages and friendships and brethren and children and all sorts of relationships that connect us together with one with another. Four components that make you you, make me me, that's us. We are mental, we are Physical, we are spiritual, and we are social. Well, what happens when any one any number of those four components are weak or threatened or go missing? Well, the answer is kind of echoed or shown to us here in Psalm eighty eight. Got our Bible, Psalm eighty eight. What happens when any number of these four components suffer? What you find in Psalm eighty eight is a life expressing the anguish of living in the pits. Psalm eighty eight, beginning in verse one. O Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry, for my soul has had enough troubles and my life has drawn near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more and they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the lowest pit, in dark places, in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of affliction. I have called upon you every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to you. Will you perform wonders for the dead? Will the departed spirits rise and praise you? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in the barren? Will your wonders be made known in the darkness and your righteousness in the land of the forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, have cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer your terrors. I am overcome. Your burning anger has passed over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me all together. You have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are all in darkness." And did you notice as we read this psalm, there's not one positive, encouraging, uplifting, hopeful, kind word in this psalm. You don't find this etched on the pillow or put in the the hallway of your homes. And yet, did you notice? You see those four core components on the screen. Did you see the expressions of those through this psalm? Mentally, verses 1 through 3. I've cried to you, and you're not there. My life is like one who is in the pits. Or verses 10 to 12, is there any hope in you? If I cry to you, if I look to you, would you rescue someone who feels like on the the verge of death? Physically, in verse 4, I have become a man with no strength. Spiritually, in verse 14, why are you rejecting me? Why are you not there when I need you? And socially, verse 8 and verse 18, he says, you've taken away all my friends. You've taken away all the people I love. I don't have anyone else in my life. There's no one around for me. There may not have been these words, but have you ever felt things similar to this? Feelings similar to these expressed in the psalm? Have you said things similar to Psalm 88? Do you know some who have, who have voiced their pain and it sounds a lot like Psalm 88? Can you see then that, that when any of the things that makes us us are challenging or weak or missing, it's easy to find ourselves as if we've just sunken deep down in, in the pit. And that's what we define in a very simple way what it means to be depressed. I'm sunken down low and I need help. Well, that's what we're going to get today. We don't leave things with problems here. We need to look for hope, the good news. And our message today is how Jesus, the great physician, can offer hope and help and healing for all things. And that includes those who feel down in the pits. And so what help is there? What hope is there for those who are facing the feelings of Depression. And we're going to go right here, right to the core components. I believe if we look to the wisdom of God, given out and laid out in his word, in his perfect words, and we follow them, we listen to them and follow them, God has given us everything we need to pursue healing and strength and the things that make us us let's start it right here let's talk about the mental component a mind that is seeking the truth because in the midst of the pit as you saw there in psalm 88 it sounds a lot like this i don't have anyone i don't trust anyone i am low i'm helpless i'm hopeless and there's no way out i'm distrusting in god i don't know if you're there i don't know if you're going to help me i don't know if i can rely on you When we are in the midst of the pit, it's easy to believe the myth that what I feel is what is real. That the things I am feeling is what is real. And yet, as we realize and as we know from the outside looking at Psalm 88, oftentimes the things that we feel are not what is real. It's not the actual truth. Do you remember John the Baptizer? Going around in the beginning of the days of Jesus, John the Baptizer, who was about as bold and courageous as you could be. I mean, the guy wore animal skin and ate bugs. You have to be courageous and confident in yourself to live that kind of a life. Well, one of the things he was confident in was not just the way he preached. He was very bold in what he preached. But he was also confident in the message. Because of all the people before Jesus came on the scene— Even before Jesus began preaching, it was John who said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. He was the one who said it before Jesus said it, that he is the one, the chosen one. But then afterwards, when John is preaching about marriage and a a a wrong marriage before the eyes of God, he is thrown in prison, and Jesus shares with us in Matthew 11, verse 23, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ he sent word by his disciples and said to them, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Now, wait a minute. Let's just put it right back up there. Just a bit before he's out before everyone saying, hey, this is the Lamb of God and he's come to take away the sins of the world. And then a short time after he's saying, are you really the one? Are are you the chosen one? Are we supposed to look for somebody else? What changed his location? What changed his situation? Because he went from being a free market preacher out on the shores of Galilee to being a prisoner, thrown in a in dungeon, abused, forsaken, in a place full of fear and anxiety and uncertainty. John changed the thing at one moment which he was so certain of, now he began to question, well, what does Jesus do? Send back a message with the apostles. What's wrong with you? You knew this. You know the answer. No, the thing he does, going on in verse four, Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. What did Jesus do? You're not sure? You're starting to question? You're doubting if I'm really the one? Then let me give you proof. Let me provide you some truth. Let me show you without a shadow of a doubt through the evidence of what I've done. I am who I say I am. He gave him the truth than in those moments when we begin to question, and I'm not really sure, I don't know, I question about myself and my worth and my validity of who I am and, and my value in life, and I question God if he's there, if he's good, if he listens, if, he, if he's there for me. I question my brethren, and I get suspicious. In those moments when our feelings begin to cloud our minds, we need to silence what we feel with what we know to be real, what we know with the truth. In your Bibles, go with me to 1 John chapter 3. You're not going to be on the screen. We need to surround ourselves and fill our minds with truth, with this truth of what we know. 1 John chapter 3. Listen to the word know found here in 1 John chapter 3. How many times John says it here. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. Listen to that word know. Verse 3 three, sixteen. we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him. And whenever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Do you hear the language there? Even if I can't feel it, even if it seems to go against everything that I'm experiencing in the moment, I can know that God loves me and Jesus loves me without a shadow of a doubt because the cross happened, because Calvary happened. Because even right now, even though it may seem in the storm I'm going through that God doesn't care, I know, I know he loves me. And I can know from verses 19 and 20 that even if I don't feel right with God and I feel lost and I feel like I'm not living a life pleasing to him, I can know that I am because I know his truth and I know his commandments and I'm striving to the best of my ability to keep them. God is greater than my heart. And so even if my heart condemns, my heart is fragile and frail. I need to lean not on what I feel in the moment. I need to lean on what it is I know. I know. Have you ever wrestled with the thought that Job, in everything he faced, in everything he faced, and in all the doubts that filled his mind, it was Job who said, I know my Redeemer lives. I know he lives. And at the last, he will stand on the earth. Or Paul in all that he experienced at the end of his life as an old man, a beaten man, a man in prison was able to say, I know whom I have believed and I am convinced he's able to guard that which I've entrusted to him until that day. I know who I believed. I think what this shows is then... There's two responsibilities for us. One is that I need to pursue the truth for myself. I need the truth. I need the Word of God in my life, and I need it at all seasons. I need to anchor and ground and root myself in the Word of God, and I need to do that at all times, but especially when I'm in the storm. When things are rough and things are hard, that is a time more than ever. Hold on, right here. I know you heard part of that, right here for the rest of it. In the storm, when things are bad, and I'm feeling frail and fragile, and I'm not not sure what is going on and my emotions are high, that is a time more than ever I need to get off social media, to turn off the the news and the TV, and to entrench myself in the Word of God, to tether myself to it. Because in those moments where I stray and I flee and I doubt and I run, I need that strong anchor to pull me back. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. Why? Because I've not forgotten your commandments. My heart has been tied, my life has been bound, it's still there. And so the moments I, I doubt and the moments I question and the moments I run, I need something to pull me back, to remind me of the reality of what it is I know. But here's number two. The second, the second thing that we really need from this is that I need to share the truth for others because there's going to be moments when I am up and others are down, and I need to be a voice for truth. I need to be one who is speaking truth for those who are in the pits and they need to hear it. Have You ever thought about... The New Testament perspective of Psalm or Proverbs twenty five or twelve verse twenty-five. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Is it any surprise the gospel is called the good word, the good news? I'm not gonna beat up. It's just too too simple to do. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to encourage today. Encourage. Before I text or I call before I post on social media. It could be this day, this very day, there is someone who is deep down in the pit and they're struggling. They're wounded and they're looking for something. They're they're, they're trying to grab on to anything. They're desperate for hope. They're hungry for help. They're starving for attention and they've gotten on this day and it could be by God's design, that they will read the very thing I post. And brethren, we have been given the greatest gift, the greatest arsenal, the greatest source of truth. Why why would we do anything that would only fuel anger or fear or suspicion? Or division. Brethren, before I post, before I text, before I send, today, today, someone may be looking to me, to me. I've got a gift and an opportunity. Don't push someone back down into their pits. If you're going to speak, if you're going to text, if you're going to post, let it be the words, brethren, the good words, the good news. Let's offer hope. Let's offer life. Let's offer healing. We are a people of the good news. And so let's speak like it. Number two, let's go to, let's go, oh, I need to get here. Believing. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 16. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I don't give up. I never give up. I believe. I believe in the promise and the truth of God. Physically, a body seeking health. It's amazing how when the mind is wounded, the body is wounded, and vice versa. When the body is, is broken, the mind ends up being affected as well. And God knows this. God knows that our bodies by design. Some of you need to hear this a little more closely. God knows by design our bodies were not meant to run at 110%, 24-7, seven days a week. It just was not meant to do so. It was not meant to carry every burden under the sun all the time, every time. And so when Elijah was there and expressing his anguish about wanting to end his life, what God did to him was not give him more burdens. God didn't just chastise him. What God did is he gave him a meal. He lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank down again. Can you imagine that? You're angsty and angry and emotional, and God doesn't say, what's wrong with you? He says, are you hungry? You want some cake? You want something to drink? Why don't you take a nice long nap? And that's what he did. You ever wonder why Jesus went certain places a lot? You ever chase his journeys? And now he went to a town called Bethany a lot. In fact, there are crucial moments in his life, like John 12, just before his events at the cross. Or at the end, before he goes back home and ascends to heaven, he makes a journey to Bethany. You know why? There's this amazing resort in Bethany. this amazing spa. You know what's in Bethany? A lady named Mary and her sister Martha and their brother Lazarus. And Martha's a good cook. And Lazarus loves to talk, and Mary's a great encourager, and so Jesus, when he needed, found a place to go to rest and relax and to get rejuvenated. Now, for a moment, for a moment, it may be that where I am in my life, what I am feeling, what I'm experiencing mentally and emotionally and chemically is beyond what it is that I have tried to do through rest through help, through prayer and faith, and I need to listen to the wisdom of God who provides for us wisdom, who provides for us intellect. And I need to go to doctors to seek help and medicine to get out of of where I am to find a better place of healing mentally and physically. God gives us wisdom, and we need to seek that wisdom. But it's also the case, I think, for many of us that physically our bodies are often the first thing to fail, and it's often the last thing we try to fix. And yet, have you ever seen, I know you have, that when you actually get a good night's rest and you eat good food, not Whataburger and pizza, I'm not blocking it, but it is when you eat good food and you drink enough water and you do some exercise that you begin to think better and reason better and be in control better because you're taking care of the flesh he's given to you. And in fact, one of the things that helps you the most, you don't want to do it when you're in the pit. You don't want to do it when you're down. But one of the things that helps us the most is forcing ourselves to use our time and our talents to bless someone else, to serve someone else. We don't want to be around people, but when we serve people and help people, it actually lifts our emotions and our feelings to a higher place. And so maybe we need to listen to Paul who says, don't give up, don't lose heart, don't throw it all away. Keep doing good. Don't lose heart in doing good, but in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. I need to take care of my body. Make sure I'm taking care of the body that God has given to me. Spiritually, a soul that is seeking God, one of the temptations when we are down in the pit is to withdraw from God, to spend less time with him. And so we pray less and we worry more. We spend less time in the word of God and more time in the words of man Facebook and news and all sorts of other outlets and media we spend less time in worship and more time focused on me and my issues and my problems and we must resist that temptation in your Bibles go to Psalm 73 I want you to notice this the temptation when we're hurting is to run to run from God to blame God to turn our back on God we think when things get turned around maybe I'll think about turning things around for God and so less time in prayer, less time drawing near to him. I'm going to focus more on my issue than I am on, on the God who can solve my issue. I'm going to focus more on my pain than the God who can lift my pain. And so we withdraw from God rather than drawing all the more to him. And that ought to be our natural response. Let me say it here because I'm going to come back to it. When naturally I feel like running from God, I need to all the more run ever harder and faster to him. Psalm 73 Asaph makes it clear in verse 1, God is good. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Listen to verse 2. Maybe you've been here. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. I was slipping. I was struggling. I was drifting spiritually. He had some questions that he didn't know the answer to. But it said in verse 17, until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. 16 tells us that it was troublesome to him. He was pondering, he was wrestling, and he was thinking about it, but it was only when he came before the Lord himself in worship. When he put his direction on God, when he opened his heart to the Word of God, that things became clear. What's his conclusion? Down in verse 26. My flesh and my heart, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What's the conclusion? I needed this all along. I had some questions I couldn't figure out. Things were going on, and I couldn't see the truth. But then I went to worship, and I realized I can't do it all. My friends are going to fail. I'm going to fail, but there is one who never fails. There's one who is always true, and I need to be more with him. I've needed to draw near to him this whole time. That's the answer, brethren. When I'm tempted to run and to flee and to withdraw and to pull back from God, that is the time more than ever I need to draw nearer to him. Go two Psalms back. Go to Psalm 71. Three verses in Psalm 71. Psalm 71 in verse 3. Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given commandments to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Verse 6. For you, by you I have been sustained uh, from my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. And verse 14. But as for me, I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Verse 3. Verse 6, verse 14, the echoed word in the New American, trend, uh, New American Standard is continually, continually. It doesn't matter how deep we fall, brethren. It doesn't matter how heavy the burden or how heavy the weight. I just keep coming back to God. I keep continually pursuing Him, running to Him, drawing near. To him, falling before him. One author said, Faithfulness for us doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean understanding everything and never having doubts. Faithfulness has to do with continually turning to Jesus. And so, in my pain, turn to Jesus. In my suffering, turn to Jesus. In my doubts and my questions, turn to Jesus. When I feel all alone, turn to Jesus. When I've never been this low before, turn to Jesus. That's what this is about. We want more than anything to focus on our pain and our problems, and then we'll come to God. Turn to Jesus. Draw near to the Lord. Or as Jesus would say, He gave them a story to say that they ought to pray at all times and don't give up. Don't lose heart. Just keep praying, just keep coming, just keep seeking. And then our last component is socially, A person-seeking fellowship. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says that he who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm, and there's a relationship there that the people we surround ourselves with end up being the people we become. We become more like them. And one of the natural tendencies when I'm feeling low is I don't want to see you. I don't want to be around you. I want to be Batman in the cave and isolate myself. I want to just be alone. I'm going to soak in my feelings. I'll get out when I'm ready. I'll reach out when I need help. I just want to spend some time by myself right now. And that's one of the last things that we need. One of the last things we need when we're in the pit is to be alone which is me, myself, and I, with my doubts and my fears and my confusion. Because Naomi really needed, in the midst of her deep darkness, she needed to be reminded that she was loved, greatly loved. And so God brought Ruth. And Moses needed to be reminded that people can be frustrating, but people can be good too. And so he brought Aaron for a moment, and then took Aaron away, and then he brought Joshua. Because David really needed to be reminded that he wasn't the problem, even though people treated him like the problem. And so God brought Jonathan into his life. And then David needed to be reminded, even in his deep, agonizing grief over the loss of his son, that he was still a king and he had influence. And so God brought Joab to remind him of his place and his position. And God needed to remind Paul when he felt like everything he was doing was fruitless and pointless. Can you imagine, at this point of it all, looking at Paul and all he has done and all he's done for you and for me? For Paul to ever feel, I just don't feel like it's any good. It's pointless and it's useless. He needed a Titus to come and remind him of the good, of the good that he was doing. God, who comforts the depressed, the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And maybe we've not realized that yet, brethren that when you and I are down on our knees and we feel the weight of everything going on in our lives and we ask in those simple but few words, "Lord, please help, please. This hurts and I need help. I want out. I need your help. I need your comfort. I need your peace. I want something other than this. Have you and I not realized yet that oftentimes the answer to the prayer for help is a person? That the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And all the times we're down on our knees asking for answers, asking for help, asking for wisdom, and God answers not in something ethereal that happens through osmosis in our sleep, but in the people he interweaves into our lives. And so don't lose heart. Don't let your heart be unbelieving or callous or cold. No, let's exhort one another. Let's lift up to everyone day by day, every day, as long as it's still called today, so that no one does so, that no one may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Did you notice that in each one of those passages? Don't, don't lose heart. I know it seems bad right now. I know it seems rough. I know it seems like no one cares. I know you may not have the answers right now. In fact, it may not seem like there is a way out. I know, I know. And I know it hurts maybe more than it's ever hurt before, but don't, don't, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, believe. Believe in what you know to be true, what you know to be true. Believe in your God and who He is and what He promises. Don't lose heart, but serve in whatever way you can. And whatever ounce of energy and thought and passion you can, be someone who uses even their their seasons in the storm for the service of God. Don't don't lose heart, but pray. And in the moments you feel so tempted to run and to flee from God, let them be seasons. You have run closer and drawn near to him than ever before. Don't, Don't lose heart, brethren, but just reach out and encourage one another. Be a beacon of hope. Be a bright light. Be present in the pain of someone else and help them out of their pits because I know you're going to need them when you're in yours as well. There's a question I want to ask you this morning because Jesus asked it at one point. Jesus came to a man in in John 5 who was crippled, couldn't walk. And he asks a question that seems fascinating to me. It took me a while to understand it, but I, I believe I have a better taking on it now. Because he came to a man who could never walk, laying there on his, on his little mat. And Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be healed? I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Of course I want to be healed. Of course I want to walk. But to be healed would require some change, some effort. It would require him to do something on his behalf. And so I'm going to ask you that question today. Maybe everything I'm talking about is in some semblance where you are and what you're feeling and what you're going through and so I just want to ask you today do you do you even want to get healed? Do you want do you want to get better? Do you want to be in a better place than you are now? Are you willing to take the steps to do so? Are you willing to seek help? Are you willing to draw closer to God? and fall on your knees every day before him? Are you willing to come to your brethren and today to say, no, not everything is fine, not not today? Is there help for those who are in the pit? Psalm 103 says that he rescues us from our pits. Absolutely there is. But the God who rescues is also the God who asks, are you willing? Are you willing today to be healed? How much more true is that today with your relationship with God? Are you willing today to be right with him? To know you were pleasing to him, to know that you were saved? Are you willing today to make some changes in your life, to change some choices, some habits, some friends? Are you willing to confess him as Lord and to put him on in baptism, to be baptized right here today? Are are you willing to do so? I'm not sure how you came in today, and I hope that today has been a good day, an encouraging day. But listen, there's, there's no formalities to what we're about to do. If you've got a lot of weight on your shoulders today and you've come in burdened and you need some help, we're here today for you, whatever that means. If you want to come forward and talk about it, we'd love to talk. I would love to talk with you and our shepherds would too. And we'll pray for you and help you. If you want to catch us in the back, we're going to be waiting for you. But if you wish to be well, if you wish for things to improve, you got to be willing to take a step. So let's help you today. Let's take that step. If we can help you in any way, let's do it right now. Let's stand and let's sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at the We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.